0: Hi, I'm Dr. Barbara Byers. Welcome back to my podcast. Today, I'm gonna be talking about families. So when I use the word family, what comes to your mind? Family should be a safe place where we are nourished, where we feel protected, where we have a a safe place to develop, where our emotional and relational needs are met, where we experience life together with others we love and who love us and we have fun and we play and we work together, values are taught, resources are shared and children are socialized. So that's all part of what a healthy family is. And I'm taking uh, part of my talk today from um, Connolly and Signa Bodishba, who used to do something called Journey to Wholeness, where they talked about healthy families. And these are seven characteristics of a healthy family. So the first characteristic is that in a healthy family, everyone is accepted, and everyone is allowed to express themselves, himself or herself, just as they are. If we look at what God allows, when we look at the Psalms, David and others were (laughs) not at all loath to express themselves very clearly and very honestly. So in a healthy family, that sort of expression is encouraged and not shut down. Differences of opinion are actually tolerated. And no one is rejected because they don't line up with the major family opinion. They're not disregarded and they're not rejected. Fair arguments are allowed. Anger is allowed. And, uh, and then children are taught how to express anger without hatred and rebellion, but it is allowed. So everyone has a right to be honest then without feeling shame and rejection because the healthiest families don't use shame to control behavior. And God's word is our standard on that. In an unhealthy family, um, real problems are denied, opinions and expressions are shut down, insignificant issues may be magnified instead, and the family, the parents demand a loyalty Even when the child knows something is amiss, this isn't right. You're still supposed to be loyal to the family and expression of opinions other than what the parents believe is not encouraged. It's sometimes not allowed, especially in Christian homes, this can happen. So there's lots of conflict in this unhealthy family, but the children don't learn healthy ways to resolve conflict And to express their emotions because the parents aren't training them in that. All right. The second characteristic of a healthy family is authority, as is God's standard, is invested in the parents. But everyone has a voice of their own. And, you know, God is our example in this. He is so willing to dialogue with us. In fact, he invites us to dialogue with him. And parents should model that. God has established authority in in the parents, not authoritarianism, but a a real authority. And he's entrusted them with loving the children, with teaching their children, uh, training their children, preserving the word, and parents are not to abdicate that authority. Nevertheless, everyone in the family has a voice and can talk freely about anything, share, ask lots of good questions, and no topic is off limits. But in an unhealthy family, that's not the case. Uh, one parent can act with so much authoritarianism. They can sort of demand control like they are the supreme authority issuing the commands. And th- certain things are not allowed to be discussed. So there, you just end up with a lot of denial, a lot of repression of feelings, and a whole lot of frustration Uh, within the family. And underneath the surface, things are just seething because the children aren't appropriately empowered. They're only under authority, and they never learn how to rightly use their own will and their own voice. And if the authority is too heavy-handed, then children are just expected to obey, but it may be a fear-based obedience. In our lives with the Lord, Our obedience to him is based in in love. He invites us into a relationship. We're drawn in and then we respond in loving obedience. The third characteristic is that each person is valued for his or her own uniqueness. So every age, every uh, part of development is honored and it's celebrated different talents are honored, different interests are honored, and they're blessed. And the children are really seen, really seen for who they are. And they're allowed to uh, blossom in the way that they're designed. If their dad is a high school football coach, the son doesn't have to play high school football. He can play the guitar. And so the differences are honored and celebrated in the uniqueness. And then parents teach their children to find their true identity in God. So the person is valued over their performance, their personhood. But in unhealthy families, one child may be a favorite or the children may be ignored in favor of the parent's needs or the parent's accomplishments are honored, but the children's aren't or a child may be valued when they line up with what the parents want. Oh, um, mom is an attorney and the daughter's gonna be an attorney too. Well, what if the daughter doesn't wanna be an attorney? You know, And uh, children in unhealthy families grow up not feeling ashamed and really not knowing how to negotiate their own uniqueness and the differences. The fourth characteristic of a healthy family is home is safe. That probably should be number one, that home is safe. It's a safe environment. There's love, there's freedom, but there are uh, very clear rules and very clear boundaries. God gave us boundaries. Uh, They're to protect us. They're to keep us within certain limits for our good and his boundaries aren't unambiguous, they are distinct, they are clear-cut, and that's the way it should be in family, so that the children know exactly what they are to expect. One of the names of Satan in scripture is Belial, B-E-L-I-E-L, and it means one who has no boundaries, and we know how rebellious he was. So I know when my children were growing up, one of the things I did is each one of them four of them got their driver's license is uh, there's a driving contract and we read it together and it is very specific. It was, I think, three pages long and they were so happy to sign it because, of course, you know, they're getting some keys and they're going to be driving and so on. And then when that first infraction comes, when they get stopped for speeding a little, All I have to do is look at the page where it says speeding 10 to 20 miles uh, an hour over the speed limit. And there there was a very clear uh, and enforceable rule as to what would happen. And I would say, okay, hand me your keys for two weeks or whatever it was. And there was no argument because we had agreed ahead of time on some of these rules together. So a healthy family has good structure They have clear rules, but it's undergirded with love and not just strong authority because children thrive under good structure and they know if they're loved and they feel safest When they have good structure, they have a stability they can really lean on. They know where the fence is, and so they can play in the yard. So discipline is used, of course, but it's used when it's needed and it's appropriate for the situation, but it's not used to control the children. It's not used in anger because parents are to express what God expresses, which is provision and protection and nurture and so on. And so they give guidance. Another way the home is safe is for the parents. The marriage bed is safe. It's a place of intimacy and trust and beauty. Now in a rigid family, one parent rules and controls without flexibility and the boundaries may be very unclear. It's, it's just, they give an edict one day and it's one way, another day, it's another way. And those kind of changing rules create a lot of instability within a child's heart, a lot of uncertainty and even rebellion. They, they don't feel like they have a solid ground they can stand on because the structure is so chaotic and the expectations are so unclear. Uh, in an unhealthy home, mistakes aren't allowed. They're just not allowed uh, because there's, you know, no sense of redemption, no sense of mistakes are allowed. Things can be forgiven and you'll grow from it. It's instead, there's shame. And when you have that, children aren't free to trust. They don't, and they don't grow up knowing real joy and real trust, just shame abounds. Fifth characteristic of a healthy family is a celebration of differences. I kind of already mentioned this, but you know, in the garden, God created Adam and then he created Eve. And he said, this is very good. He celebrated maleness and femaleness, and there is a difference. And the only differences he did not tolerate was sinful behavior. But he celebrated and, and made so many different things, created so many different things. And so in a home, maleness and femaleness should both be celebrated and fostered. Foster, you know, uh, when kids are growing up, it's awkward the passage from toddler into kindergarten and uh, elementary into preteen and preteen into teen and teen into adult, things are sporadic in growth, things are messy, transitions can be so difficult. And wise parents allow plenty of room for that and don't clamp down on the children and they just give them room to grow and they know when to let go. So in in healthy families, milestones are celebrated. All the birthdays are celebrated, graduations, and other things besides. Um, And families learn joy together, and they learn to play together as families. But in an unhealthy family, a child can very easily be intuitive uh, about when their difference is not accepted. It's not okay. And it is certainly not celebrated or welcome. Some families foster maleness over femaleness. The females are kind of the servants of the family and males are more celebrated. And in some unhealthy families, the problem person is kind of the center of the family. Oh, we have this son with drugs. And so that's the problem in the family rather than just being an indicator and everybody uh, looks at that problem and then people don't have to take responsibility for their own stuff and it can leave such a shadow of hopelessness over the family because crisis is always prevailing and imp- and, and overshadowing really important events. I know families where the you know the teen children said to me well gosh it's my birthday but you know after all uh, they had to look after so-and-so All right, the sixth characteristic is a healthy family has meals together. Being at table together is very biblical. We see Jesus at the Passover meal. We see him at the Last Supper. We see him at the marriage in Cana. We see uh, at the end the marriage feast. We see in Psalm 23 that he sets a table before us, a feast before us in the presence of our enemies, and so it, all that's pointing us to the table of the Lord, but it's where everyone in the family is coming together, sharing, laughing, having hospitality. One of my best memories as a child is big family reunions, and my grandparents, and their siblings, and my aunts, and uncles, and cousins, and we're Eat watermelon, then go jump in the Guadalupe River. It's a wonder somebody didn't drown or get lost in all that whole But it's wonderful memories, and it creates something very healthy in a child's heart. There's lots of affection and intimacy, and so on. But in unhealthy families, during meals and you know Christmas, Thanksgiving, boy, that really uh, underlying tensions can erupt and create. Uh, such bad memories for the children and then the last characteristic in a healthy family is where the true self is blessed our real self uh, we can learn to become real we can learn what it is to have real conversation with God we can learn to listen to one another and listen to the Lord and learn to look to him and become our real self. We don't have to analyze ourselves. We don't have to live in a role. Uh, We don't have to keep a dysfunctional system alive, but we can be real. So maybe as I've been talking, you've recognized a few deficits in your family of origin or your current family, and I would so encourage you, just bring that to the Lord and see how he wants to heal. Thanks for joining me today, see you next time.